my apologies to some of you that have asked for some of the slides that I have. I'm, don't, I'm working on it. I've ordered a bunch of flash drives so I can just download this stuff onto there and give to you because it's too big to email. I'm still working on it. They haven't come in yet, but I promise I'll get them to you. So um, what I'm, what I'm going to do, since we've only got tonight and next week, uh, I'm going to just kind of really, really quickly finish up what I was talking about last time, and then we'll jump right into uh, the talking about the flood, because I think it's the most fun part of this whole thing. But I'll just show you real quick, just a, just a fraction, a few little things that you can do to show how the, that the earth is not millions of years old. I'm going to hit you like with, a, like with a machine gun with these things real fast, okay? We'll just go through them real quick. They teach you that in the textbooks that the different rock layers are millions of years apart. You know, this rock layer took a million years to form, then the one on top of it took a million years after that so on and so forth. Well, would you please explain to me then how we have uh, petrified trees standing up, connecting dozens and dozens of rock layers all over the world. I mean, I don't know how long a dead tree stands up in other parts of the world. In Kentucky, you get about four or five years and it rots and falls down, right? There's that, this is a textbook drawing, just so you can see it a little bit more plain, but there's a, there's a picture of one. Okay, there's another one. There's another one. This one's my favorite. You can go see it in Tennessee if you want to. There's two coal seams. You've got a coal seam going through the ground, then a, a you know, whole bunch of rock layers, and another coal seam on the top. And here you have one tree standing up, going through all of the different layers. The tree is coalified at the bottom, petrified in the middle, and coalified again at the top. But yet they're going to teach you in the textbooks that all of these layers took millions and millions of years to form. I don't think so, okay? Here's another one. Here's another one. Uh, we could go all day. Bent rock layers are also another... Uh, uh, if, if you ever tried to bend a rock, you might notice the phenomenon that rock does not bend very well. It tends to break, right, or crack. Well, if you have rock layers like this all over the world, bent rock layers, it shows that they all had to be formed simultaneously and then squished as the grounds changed under them, okay? Here's another picture of a van for scale. Sometimes they get pretty big. Obviously formed at the same time. How are you going to have a rock layer formed vertically? It's not going to work, right, if they're all laid down over millions of years. You ever do the test where somebody says, would you rather be given a million dollars today or a penny and then every day for a month, the penny would double, your money would double, okay? If you, if you took a penny today and doubled your money every day for a month, you'd end up with almost $11 million, right? That's called exponential growth. And so not only is the number increasing, but the rate at the same time is also increasing, okay? Well, populations do this as well. Human population grows very, very quickly. Today, I believe the population is, some, is over 8 billion people in the world, Right? Here's a slide. This one's, I mean, it's uh, from 2011. In 2011, the world's population topped 7 billion people, okay? In 1999, it was 6 billion people. 1985, 5 billion people. 1800, you had 1 billion people on the earth. In the time of Jesus Christ, there was about 250 million people, right? If you graph the whole thing out, it looks like the whole thing started about 4,400 years ago. Now, can somebody tell me what might have happened about 4,400 years ago that would have caused the Earth's population to drop to almost zero? The, the, the flood in the days of Noah, right? Here's a textbook. This is a secular textbook, so they even admit that, that this is the case, okay? They would never admit to the flood, of course. But yeah, the human population is a very strong indicator that the Earth is not millions of years old. Somebody did the calculations, actually, and figured if the Earth was as old as they say it is, there should be something like 250 million people per square inch of land space or something like that, 250,000, whatever. I don't remember. But as we've talked about the, before, the world is not overpopulated. That's environmentalist propaganda. You could fit the entire world's population into Jacksonville, Florida, twice. Okay, so don't anybody tell you that there's too many people out there. People are made in God's image. He wants them to be on the face of the earth, okay? Uh, the Sahara Desert is the largest desert in the world, okay? It, and it's growing. They did some studies and found out that it's about 4,000 years old or so. So 
quick question. If the earth is millions of years old, why don't we have an older desert someplace? Okay, my theory, of course, is that about 4,000 years ago, there was a flood, and it's kind of hard to have a desert under a flood, right? But if the earth is millions of years old, there should be an older desert someplace. The, the biggest coral reef in the world is off of the coast of Australia, the Great Barrier Reef. There was a government project where they watched it grow for like 40 years, right? And they found out that it's less than 4,200 years old. Again, if the earth is millions of years old, why don't we have an older coral reef someplace, Right? Well, it's kind of hard to have a, a coral reef growing when you have a flood that destroyed the entire surface of the earth. Oil pressure cannot last for 10,000 years. Pangea is a joke. They teach us in the textbook that the continents used to fit together like puzzle pieces. Of course, they don't tell you they had to shrunk, shrink Africa 40% to make them fit. They had to remove other parts of the globe. They also don't tell them the obvious, that if you drain the water out of the oceans, there's dirt underneath. The continents are not lily pads floating around on a pond. Okay, they can't just shape and form like that, just like it's nothing. Okay, anyway. The oldest tree in the world is about 4,000 years old. Okay, out-of-place artifacts. Here's a hammer that they found in a piece of rock. Uh, it's, of course, you can see there it's embedded in the rock. The rock is 400 million years old, according to the evolutionists. But man, of course, was, even according to their timeline, is not even close to anywhere that old on the earth. They shouldn't be finding human artifacts in rock layers that are supposedly hundreds of millions of years old. Anybody like to go in caves? Yeah, I, I don't. You're crazy. Yeah, my wife does. Anyhow, Carlsbad Caverns, if you go out to New Mexico, I've never been there. This, this article says, oh, it's, it was 250 million years old. Have you ever been in a cave and they say, hey, don't touch the stalactites or the stalagmites. They take millions of years to form, right? They always tell you that when you go into a cave. This, this guy, this is a geologist. I thought this was pretty good. He said, at Carlsbad Caverns from 1924 to 1988, there was a visitor sign above the cavern that said it was at least 260 million years old. In 1988, the sign was changed to read 7 to 10 million years old. Then for a while, the sign read that it was 2 million years old. Today, the sign is gone. <laughs> Why is the sign gone? What changed from 1924 till today? What changed? Did the cave change? Not really. I mean, maybe the, the stalactites grew a little bit. What changed was their, pers- their, their ideas about the past, right? Their, their interpretations of the evidence. That's what changed, not the cave, Okay. And I'll prove it to you. If you've probably seen this, you get mineral deposits on, you know, if you have minerals in the water, that's how stalactites form. The, the water comes dripping through the cave. It leaves a little bit of the minerals that's in the water behind. The water drips off or evaporates or whatever, but the minerals are left behind. That's what these stains are that sometimes you get in your sink, okay? Well, out in uh, Wyoming, there was a guy in 1903, he, he knows he had a spring in his yard, bubbling up water out of his, of his ground. So he decided to stick a pipe in it, Okay. Stuck the pipe there, had a nice little fountain out of his yard, and it was, of course, it started to leave behind mineral deposits. And after, before too long, he started to get a, you know, a, a stalagmite growing in his yard, right? Remember, these things take millions of years to form, right? Well, that was in 1903, he stuck the pipe in the ground. Here's the pipe in 1998, okay, with a man standing beside it for scale. No, they do not take millions of years to form. Here's another one down the street, not quite as big. There's another one, they're all over the place, okay? There's one, an old, a picture taken in the old days when this thing was forming. Here's stalactites growing off the uh, Lincoln Memorial built in 1922. There's a bat covered up with flowstone before it could even rot. Here's a, a, this building 40 years old in Montana. You can see the kids standing beside one that's connected from the floor to the ceiling. No, they do not take millions of years to form. There's one in a parking garage. I took that picture in a building I used to work in. Okay? I, it's, uh, yeah, the building is less than 100 years old. So now do not let anybody tell you that it takes millions of years to form stalactites. That's baloney. Okay? We're not going to have time to get into ice cores. If you, if you do go to look into ice cores, though, you need your Polish earmuffs right there. Keep that in mind. Okay? So, but anyway, we'll switch gears here. Okay. 
or talk about the flood a little bit. We already read this verse before, okay? That in the last days there was going to come scoffers walking after their own lust, saying, where, you know, where is the promise of his coming since the father fell asleep? All things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation, right? Uniformitarianism, long, gradual processes. For this they are willingly ignorant of that the word of God, uh, by the word of God the heavens were of old, they're ignorant of the creation, and that the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. The scoffers are ignorant of the flood, willingly ignorant on purpose. Okay? Here's a New England primer that we used with our kids, another uh, where the kids learn the alphabet. I like for the letter N, it said, Noah did view the old world and new. Hmm? So is there any evidence that there was an old world that was different than the world is today? Right? And, and contrary to uniformitarianism, which would tell you that it's all basically been the same. Okay? Well, if you open your eyes and look around, you see that, look at the pyramids, for example. It, nobody knows how they were built. They've got a different theory every other year. They say, oh, we figured it out how they built, and then they changed their minds a year later, right? Nobody knows how these things could have been built. They're amazing. Even today, we couldn't build such a structure with all of our technology. Here's a, this is, I think, one of, if not the largest hewn stone in the world. It's at Baalbek in Lebanon. Uh, the thing is sticking partway out of the ground. And it's, it's, it's staying there. The reason it stays there is because nobody can pick it up, right? It's too big. They, they, nobody with any combination of machinery can move these things today. And yet they were hewing these things out of the ground, transporting them. They were in the process of building a temple out of them uh, whenever they stopped for some reason. They've been destroyed or whatever, okay? You go down to South America, you find these things all over the world. They, the people down there built these stone walls out of stones. Some of the stones weighed 20,000 tons, Okay? Now, t today, at this, this day, the largest crane in the world can lift 20,000 tons, barely, and straight up. They're not going to move at any distance. Yet these people built these enormous walls out of these things, and this, the stones fit together so tight you can't even slip a piece of paper through them. How in the world did they do it? Nobody knows. But something was different about the past, obviously. They at least knew something that we didn't know. This guy says, we have no combination of machinery today that could dislodge such a weight, let alone move at any distance, Right? The, the Moai on Easter Island, these things, again, they, they hewed them out of stone at a, in a quarry and moved them, I think, about a mile or so and, st and stood them up there. Then nobody has a clue how they possibly could have done this, right? Well, the Bible says there was giants in the earth in those days, okay? Maybe giants had something to do with these things. I don't know, but we hear stories about giants all the time, you know. Uh, people consider them fairy tales and whatnot, but the Bible says they were actually real, Okay? It says in Numbers 13, the Israelites, uh, it says, they, uh, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. They came into the promised land, and they see these giants there. They said, man, we're, we're like, we look like grasshoppers compared to these people, okay? That's what the Bible says. Now, King Og, he had a, it's, it says here in Deuteronomy chapter 3, it says he was of the remnant of the giants. His bedstead was 13 and a half feet long by six feet wide. Okay, it's given in cubits in the Bible. How would you like to make that bed? Some of you ladies, right? Big. This is a, a big dude. Here's a, this is an axe head that they found. It weighs 39 pounds. Okay. How would you like to swing a 39-pound axe head? Most axes today weigh like you know, two to five pounds or something like that. 39-pound axe head. What in the world? What kind of a person would be able to swing something like that? You'd call him sir, I think, if you ran into him. Okay. Now, this is interesting. These are in the archives. You can look these up if you want to. This is an article from the New York Times. Okay? This is before they went all woke and liberal and the evolution theory was a carefully protected state religion. The New York Times from 1885 talks about uh, a petrified giant that they found in British Columbia. Okay? 
Here's another New York Times article talking about a, a Wisconsin mound that was open where a skeleton was found, found of a man uh, over nine feet high okay, in, in America, in Wisconsin. Again, New York Times. This one's from 1897. Uh, here's another one. This one's from 1904. It says they find giant Indian bones. Okay, when they, when they dug up some of the Indian mounds in America. There, there are Indian mounds all over America. We'll read about them here in a second. Burial mounds, okay? They're, they're, you know, hills. You can go see them today. There's probably, I'm sure there's some in Kentucky. I know there's a whole bunch of them in Ohio. This is a quote from Abraham Lincoln that you may, probably have never seen before. He made this quote in 1848 when he visited Niagara Falls. He said, four score and seven, no, that's something else. He said, when Columbus first sought this continent, when Christ suffered on the cross, when Moses led Israel through the Red Sea, nay, even when Adam first came from the hand of his maker, then as now Niagara was roaring here. The eyes of that species of extinct giants whose bones fill the mounds of America have gazed on Niagara as ours do now. So Abraham Lincoln knew something about giants. He said they, were, they, were, uh, they filled the mounds of America. There's some speculation today. Now, I'll admit it's just speculation. But uh, some folks think that they're, you know, they, they don't allow you to touch the Indian burial mounds anymore because they're sacred burial grounds and so forth. They used to dig them up. Okay, that's where a lot of those articles came from. But now they're saying you know, the evolutionists don't want them dug up because there's evidence in there that contradicts their theory. And the Indians don't want them dug up because that proves they weren't the first people in North America. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Anyhow, they have found giant, not only giant people, the Bible talks about giant people, but they have found many giant animals, fossils of animals. This is a, 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 t- talking about a 10-foot kangaroo they found in Australia. Okay, even Todd would look up to that thing. Most kangaroos today, I think, five or six feet, whatever. 10-foot kangaroo. They found uh, wombats the size of a mini down there also. Here's this, this one's from MSNBC, ancient rodent the size of a buffalo. Right? Take a few boxes of decon to get rid of one of those, wouldn't it? Right? Here's, they found fossils of beavers over eight feet long. Here's the skull of one. This one was six feet long. This is in Ohio. Okay? Uh, they salamanders over six feet long. This is a 50-inch dragonfly fossil that they found. How'd you like to hit one of those going down the highway? Okay? Join you in the front seat through the windshield. He's, this guy's working on a replica of one. Okay. Here's a, a fossil of a giant tarantula. There's a guy's hand next to it for scale. How would you ladies like to go to the cabinet for a teacup and one of these things in there, right? You call the Polish exterminator. That's how they take care of them. Okay, just set the whole place on fire. Anyway, Genesis chapter 7 says that, the, uh, it's talking about the flood now, that the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. The mountain, it says the mountaintops were covered, okay? Did you know they find marine fossils on top of every mountain in the world, including Mount Everest? Okay? And not just a few. I mean, there's like millions and millions of fossils, clams and so forth, found on top of Mount Everest. How did they get there, right? Isn't it amazing that the Bible talks about the entire world being covered with water, and yet the Bible writers, I'm sure, knew nothing about the top of Mount Everest. I don't think they ever climbed up there. And yet, or any other these major mountain ranges in the world, but yet this is, what they keep finding always confirms what the Bible writers wrote. Okay? Uh, these are, those are not rocks. Those are giant oysters they found on top of the Andes Mountains down in South America. Okay? Again, marine fossils on top of mountain ranges. Okay? All over the world. Now, some folks will try to say, like, well, you know, the Bible... When it talks about the flood, it was just a local flood. You know, it probably wasn't the worldwide flood. That's too far-fetched. You know, it was just, it's talking about just a local flood in the land of Mesopotamia, Israel, whatnot, okay? 
Uh, is, is that you know is that what it looked like? I would just like to present a few questions to, to folks that would say that. First of all, why would God tell Noah to build a massive boat, fill it full of animals, stay on there for a year, when all he had to do was tell Noah to move to the next county if it was just a local flood? Exactly. Right? Doesn't make any sense. God said he would never again destroy the, the world through a flood like it was in the days of Noah. Okay? So if if it was just a local flood, then that means God's a liar. Because there's been lots of local floods since then. But God said he was never going to do it again like he did in the flood in the days of Noah. I think, which we'll see here in a little bit, I think the reason God promised that is because there actually can't be another flood like there was in the days of Noah because the, the, the topography of the earth has changed. Okay? I mean, unless, of course, God can do what he wants to do. He could supernaturally change it if he wanted to. But I think as it stands right now, it would be impossible. Okay? It says every living thing with breath was to be destroyed in Genesis chapter 6. A local flood would not accomplish that. Okay? Why fill the ark full of animals? If, it, if it's just a local flood, there's going to be animals live, still living all over the rest of the world. Who cares? Right? Why put birds on the ark that could just fly away? It says, like we just read, every hill was covered in Genesis chapter 7. It's not, it, that, that verse right there alone, it is not possible to have every high hill covered if it was just a local flood. Okay? Now, this is a chart. These, I know you can't read these names in red there on the left. Excuse me. But this is a chart of the, showing the lifespans of all the people in the Bible, all the patriarchs in the Bible, the line of, of Christ from Adam down to Joseph here in the corner, the lower right-hand corner. Okay? So that bar on the top represents Adam's lifetime. He lived uh, nine, uh, 930 years, okay, and then he died. Then the next one is Seth. He lived, what, 912 years, I think. So on and so forth. Okay, then... You notice that black line that runs down through the, 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 almost the middle right there? That represents the flood. Okay, so the two lines, there's only two lines that start on the left and go to the right. That's Noah and Shem, his son. Okay, but you can see it on the left-hand side. If you read your Bible, it gives you the dates. The lifespan of the people that lived before the flood were living 900, almost 1,000 years old. And all ancient cultures, or all, I should say all cultures that have ancient roots in the world, they all have stories about a time they, they sometimes called the golden age where people lived to be almost 1,000. Okay, and the, the Bible teaches that as the truth. But if you read the, the lifespan of people before the flood and compare it to what the Bible gives as the lifespans of people after the flood, they start to shrink drastically. Okay, after, you can see there on the right-hand side, those lines get shorter and shorter and shorter, right? You've got 600 years, 500 years, 400, 200, 100, until you get down to Joseph at the bottom, and he lived to be 110 years old. Okay, to today, uh, we only get, like, like Pastor brought up last, last week, what is it, uh, three score and ten, or if by reason of strength, four score years, that's what we get today. But before the flood, the average lifespan of, of men on the earth was 912 years old. Okay, that's what the Bible says. Now, this, this textbook is talking about uh, this, this pterosaur. It says, like all reptiles, it grows throughout its life. Okay, so... Where the, if, if people were living to be very old, okay, and I think the conditions were right on the earth for people to live to be very old, we'll cover some of that in a little bit, animals were probably living to be very old too. It only makes sense that if the, the same conditions that were here for man were here for the animals as well, right? This guy's standing next to just a leg set up of, I think it was a Brachiosaurus, okay? This animal was, I don't know, 70, 80 feet tall, whatever it was when it was complete, right? But People, when we, when we grow, we grow to about 18 or 20 years old, and then we stop growing. You know, at least vertically, we stop growing, right? But anyway, reptiles don't. They continue to grow their entire life, okay? So if you have animal, you know, reptiles that are, that are living to be very, very old, and they never stop growing throughout their entire life, what are you going to get? 
you're eventually going to get some pretty big reptiles, right? You ever wonder why the dinosaurs got so big? Okay. Why don't they grow that big today then? It's a good question, right? Well, this is uh, kind of interesting. These are, this is a display of some amber. Uh, amber is basically petrified tree sap. Okay. You can find it all over the world. This is uh, sometimes stuff, uh, they'll find insects and things that are trapped in the amber. Now, this one here is a, there's a fly in there, but there's also a little air bubble that they, they sometimes find in the amber. So what they do is they, they drill into these little bubbles and they analyze the air in there, okay, to find out what it's composed of. Because these, these amber chunks are uh, presumably very old, probably thousands of years old. They may not know exactly how old they are. They know they've been in the ground for a while, though. What they find is, this, this article here says, putting on ancient airs, they find that some of these air bubbles contain 50% more oxygen than we have in Earth's atmosphere today. It's kind of interesting. Okay? Now, this is a secular textbook. It says the only, recent, uh, only trend in recent literature is the suggestion of far more oxygen in the early atmosphere than anybody imagined. So I think the early atmosphere was, was different than what we have today. The evolutionary idea of uniformitarianism that is, is baloney, right? I think that there, it could have been very, very different than it is today. There's no reason to, to believe that it has always been the same, okay, unless you want to try to prove evolution. Now, I showed you some, some big insects. It would actually not be possible for insects to get that big today because insects breathe through their skin. You know, we breathe through a set of lungs. Insects breathe through their skin. And when you, when you start talking about insects breathing through their skin, then you have what's called, we're not going to get too deep into this, but it's called the surface area to volume ratio. So the, with the smaller a bug is, the more skin it has compared to the size of its body, right? So a very, very large insect compared to the size of its body is going to have less surface area on its skin to breathe through than a smaller insect, right? So if you had a greater oxygen content in the atmosphere, it, back in the past, it would have been possible for a bug to, to grow to be that bigger, an insect, tarantula, whatever, because they would have been able to get more oxygen. But today, it's impossible. Okay, so they don't get that big anymore. Anyhow, some of these these people uh, speculate the same thing: new theory, lack of oxygen, not asteroid, killed the dinosaurs. What killed the dinosaurs anyway? There's been theories about this for years. Is that is that what happened? They had a lack of oxygen, maybe. Well, they found 80 foot dinosaurs, apatosaurus, whatever. And they find that their nostrils are the same size as horses' nostrils are today, okay? Which is kind of weird because it, it almost seemed like they wouldn't be able to get enough oxygen. Well, they would if the oxygen content was greater in the atmosphere, okay? Here's, this is interesting, too. Uh, we have not only oxygen content, but the air pressure that we're under. This article says, ruining the fantasies of kids everywhere, study claims big pterodactyls couldn't fly, Right? Well, if you look at the, the fossils of the pterodactyls, everything would suggest that they were perfectly made for flight. The only problem is the air today is not really dense enough to support such a big animal flying through the air. But what, what, again, what if the earth had higher air pressure back then? The Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 20 says, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. So there's some discussion sometimes on what the firmament actually was in Genesis. I think there's uh, more to it than what I'm going to uh, say right now. But the, this Bible verse here is telling us that the, the firmament is where the birds fly. Okay? In other words, in the sky. Okay? Well, Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 7 says, God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. So Genesis chapter 1 tells us that there's water both under and above the firmament. Okay, so this is sometimes why, why uh, 
something some people call the canopy theory. That, and this is not, uh, I wouldn't be super dogmatic about this. This is just one, one theory or speculation that there could have been. See, today, there are six layers in the atmosphere, the troposphere, the ionosphere, the stratosphere, whatever, right? Well, some folks believe there might have been a, a, originally a seventh layer around the Earth made of water or ice, okay, which, of course, would have then increased air pressure, okay? And the Bible, well, first, let's, Josephus, now this is not scripture, so we can't give this the same weight that we would our Bible. But it's interesting, Josephus was a Jewish historian around the time of Jesus Christ. And he's talking about the creation. He says, after this, on the second day, he placed the heaven over the whole world and separated it from the other parts and determined it should stand by itself. He also placed a crystalline firmament around it. Okay? I don't think he just made that up on the fly. Okay? I think he probably got this idea from, handed down to him from oral tradition. Anyway, the sun uh, creates all kinds of things other than light. You've got x-rays and gamma rays and all sorts of these things that are really bad for you that come through and, and, and get us all the time. That's why your skin get, gets wrinkled. I could see some of you have been out in the sun for some time, right? Not me. But anyhow, uh, the, the sun has all kinds of harmful rays. It actually helps with the aging process. Being, because when you get x-rayed and gamma-rayed from the sun every day of your life, except for cloudy days, it doesn't happen on cloudy days, it, it, it filters that out. But those things go right through your skin. They make little holes in it, and your body has to repair the damage, right? But, and after year, after year, after year, after year, that's why your skin starts to get wrinkled, okay? But if there, was a, if there was a canopy overhead, it would block all those effects out, okay? Maybe that's part of the reason why people live to be so long. I don't know. But they're finding here whenever uh, space shuttles blast up into space, they leave behind ice crystals and stuff like that that come out of the exhaust, they're finding that they're going, these, these particles are floating over the poles, and they're just kind of hovering there, okay? Like, like a layer of ice that's forming over the earth, and nobody really knows why, okay? Uh, this guy, this is kind of interesting, too. This guy was a Japanese scientist. He started doing experiments with tomato plants and some other things, increasing air pressure and oxygen, okay? And he found that he grew, here's a picture of it. He, he grew a 16-foot-tall tomato plant that had almost 1,000 tomatoes on it. Okay, just by increasing the air pressure and the, uh, the oxygen content, he was able to create things like that in his laboratory. Okay? Here's a, another picture of some black walnut leaves. You know, same thing. There's a normal one on the left and one with this. Uh, you can read about that in this, some of these articles if you want to. Anybody remember baby Jessica that fell down the well in 1987? Yeah, I remember that when I was a kid. It's every five minutes on the news, like, oh, they haven't got her out her yet, but they're still working. Right? Well, she, for those of you that don't remember, she fell down an eight-inch well pipe. She was a baby and fell down there and did the splits on the way down and went like, I don't know, 25 feet in the ground or something like that. And she was stuck down there for like two and a half days, I think. Okay. And they found when, uh, when they got her out, like here's, yeah, that's a picture of her backyard during the rescue, trying to get baby Jessica out of the pipe. When she finally came out, her one leg was completely black from lack of circulation, some other parts too. And so they, they rushed her to the hospital and they said like, you know, Hey, one of the, some of the doctors said, well, we need to amputate this leg immediately. And there was another doctor that said, hey, wait a minute, before we just start hacking off body parts, let's try putting her in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber first. You ever seen one of these? It's a chamber they put you where they, they increase the oxygen content and they pump it up to like triple times normal pressure or whatever. They put her in one of those and found out when they did, within an hour, I think, her leg turned pink. They restored circulation. They didn't have to amputate it. Okay? They, I think they had to cut off a few of her toes or something. Anyhow, there she is. They find that, that hyperbaric oxygen is really good for people. They treat cerebral palsy with it. Professional sports teams use it because their players heal twice as fast, okay? So before the flood, I think there was probably greater air pressure, greater oxygen content. That's just, I mean, again, we're just hitting some of the highlights here. Maybe this could help explain why people used to live so long according to the Bible, okay? 
But you know, sometimes scoffers will ask, okay, well, if there really was a global flood, where did the water come from and where did it go? And that's, that's a legitimate question. The Bible says we ought to be prepared with an answer to, you know, to answer people that, that might have questions of us. Okay, so it, it's, a, it's a legitimate question. And it says in Isaiah 45, God himself that formed the earth, he formed it to be inhabited. That's why he formed it, right? But today, you know, 70% of the earth is underwater and much of the rest of it is, you know, frozen tundra, ice caps, desert, whatnot. It's unusable real estate. <clears throat> Excuse me. Only 3% is habitable for man. So could it be that something is different about the world today than it was back then? I think before the flood, that the world was covered in trees from pole to pole. I think the seas were much smaller than they are today. I think Antarctica was covered in enormous palm trees before the flood. How do I know that? Because Fox News says so. Antarctica once covered in palm trees, scientists discover. Okay? Seriously, they, they, they have drilled holes down through the ice in Antarctica. They hit enormous palm trees down there. Huge ones. Not just, not just the ones you'd see down in, in Florida or South Carolina or somewhere. They're, they're everywhere, and they're enormous. Okay? So, in the 600 year of Noah's life, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broke it up, and the windows of heaven were open, and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. A lot of people that are, uh, you know, marginally familiar with the Bible, they know about the rain for 40 days and 40 nights. <clears throat> but they're unaware the Bible actually gives two sources for the water, okay? The rain, 40 days and 40 nights, was half of it, but it also says that the fountains of the great deep broke open. Okay, I think that's where most of the water from the flood came from. It says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Apparently, there was a lot of water under the surface of the earth in the original creation. Okay, the, some of the Psalms and other passages hint at that. Uh, and that's Psalm 136. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters... Okay, so I think there, it's very possible there's a canopy overhead of water. I would, again, I wouldn't be real dogmatic about that. There's some people who believe in creation who think that, uh, differently. Maybe there wasn't a canopy. I don't know. It's a possibility, though. But we know that there was water under the crust of the earth. Okay, here's kind of a diagram of, of what it would have looked like during the flood. Pre-flood seas up there and the pre-flood mountains were not as big as they are today, but you had enormous underground water chambers where this water for the flood was stored Okay, until God... There's some debate, you know, whether when the flood started, maybe God just supernaturally made it break forth. Some people believe maybe he cast a great big asteroid or something to the earth, which busted it out. You know, I, I don't know. Okay. And I don't know that anybody does know for sure. Somehow the Bible says he caused it to happen one way or another. It was the Lord. Okay. So I think the earth split up at that time, kind of like seams of a baseball. You could look into the mid-oceanic ridge there. I think these are the scars in the earth where the, the water from the flood came from. Okay? And, and again, isn't it interesting that the Bible says these things, and they had no knowledge of the mid-oceanic ridge. At least I don't think they did, right? But again, when they, when they observe the topography of the world, even when they go underwater and use sonar to map these things out and stuff, it always confirms what the Bible writers taught, okay? The sand, you know, all, the, all, the, all the fault lines, I believe, is, are other places where the water broke forth, okay? And they know that there is water under the crust of the earth today. When they go down... Uh, in the bottom of the sea, there's still hot water vents that are coming up, bringing hot water up into the ocean. Well, where would the water have to be for that to happen? It'd have to be lower than that, right? And uh, let's see. Yeah, it's about six. It's a little bit after six. I'm going to have to stop there for tonight. Okay. Well, th thanks for listening tonight. Appreciate it.